Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to all things economic, political, and sociocultural. Here we will be sharing quick bites into all the topics, concepts, and theories that we all talk about but should probably know a little bit more about. I'll be doing my best to keep it all unbiased, to the point, and hopefully interesting enough to inspire you to dig a little deeper on your own. With that being said, I'm your host, Emmy Davis, and this is a beginner's guide to minimum wage. I do not get paid enough for this. It's probably something you've told yourself more than once in your life. I remember telling myself this after a manager of a retail store I worked at gave me a lecture on why I should have physically tackled a shoplifter. Every time that thought would cross my mind, I would try to console myself with, at least I'm getting paid at all. Depending upon the state you're in, the amount you'd get paid for a similar job may change, at least in regard to minimum wage jobs. Depending on what that amount is, you may have felt like I did once or twice. Or, for being honest, more than once or twice. Whether it's for performance-related reasons or standard of living reasons, we all tend to want to get paid more. But, like always, there's a difference between the ideal and the reality. Minimum wage, or more specifically, raising the minimum wage, has been a point of discussion come every election cycle, especially for the Democratic candidates. And why wouldn't it be? It'd be a wonderful thing to have more workers earn more money for their time and efforts. But what would that actually mean for the economy as a whole? And what about for even just the local economy? Does raising the minimum wage actually raise the standard of living? The first implementation of minimum wage in the United States can be found in 1912, Massachusetts. The law set a minimum hourly wage for working women and children. Around 20 years later, in 1938, the federal government established a minimum wage at the rate of 25 cents, which today is worth roughly $5. Today, the federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. However, states have the power to set their own minimum wage. Most states tend to adjust their rates in relation to the cost of living in that particular state. For example, Washington, D.C. currently holds a spot for highest minimum wage with a rate of $15.20 and is closely followed by California, which has a rate of $15. Both of these hold some of the most expensive living costs. As of 2022, California is the third most expensive state to live in and is followed closely behind by Washington, D.C. Wyoming and Georgia, on the other hand, have the lowest minimum wages in the country with a rate of $5.15. As of 2022, Georgia falls within the top five cheapest states to live in. Wyoming's cost of living ends up being pretty dead center, but still falls well under the cost seen in California. Knowing this, the thought process would then conclude that enforcing some sort of minimum wage does provide some stability within the states and helps them avoid any major spikes of homelessness, joblessness, and a plethora of other societal ailments. Unfortunately, that conclusion does not always pan out the way we'd like it. Before I get to my next point, I will say that there are businesses and industries that factor in tips when deciding on the minimum wage they're gonna pay their employees. When factoring in tips made per hour, some people end up working for a next to nothing rate and instead bank on making most of their money in tips. Servers are the most common example of this. If the server makes at least $30 a month in tips or their total tips combined with their hourly wage is the same or more than the federal rate, restaurants are allowed to pay far under the state and federal minimum wage. Today, 
Most developed and even developing countries enforce some sort of minimum wage. Keyword here being most. There are a handful of countries that forego a minimum wage altogether. Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark all being one of them. In the United States, the federal minimum wage has not changed since 2009. Considering that the major talking point behind minimum wage is that it ensures that the American worker is not exploited, nor falling under the poverty line, it's interesting that there has not been more variation in the federal rate since 2009. Of course, states being more responsive than the federal government, they have been able to adjust their prospective rates multiple times since that 2009 change. Now, this is only good if you're of the belief that having any sort of minimum wage is beneficial in the grand scheme of things. If you're not, then any sort of mandatory minimum wage only further hurts businesses, which in turn hurts employees, which in turn hurts the economy as a whole. Given the chance, a minimum wage-free economy would see businesses naturally compete for employees. Considering that one of the easiest ways to entice good employees is through benefits, it's argued that we would see higher wages and better perks on average than we do today. And this theory is not unfounded. Remember those countries I mentioned earlier? Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark? Well, not only do all of them forego mandating a minimum wage, they all fall under the top countries in the world with the highest median incomes as well as having the happiest workers. Many try and point to the Nordic countries as shining lights for socialist principles. But in reality, they actually implement much more capitalistic and free market principles than most other countries. Remember that thing we talked about in the last episode, inflation? Well, it's back. Depending on who you ask, inflation and the minimum wage are either good friends or very bad friends. Many feel that when inflation rises, so should the minimum wage. They argue that, thanks to inflation, more money is needed in order to retain the same quality of life. And more importantly for inflation, more money is needed to circulate within the economy. Those who disagree point out that inflation rises for both sides of the discussion, the workers and the businesses. They feel that it would be potentially detrimental to enforce a business to pay more to their workers than they are truly able to. They worry that it would inadvertently create a mass job loss and business closure. The other main argument against raising the minimum wage goes something like this. Forcing a business to raise their wages could put them between a rock and a hard place. If they can't responsibly afford to raise wages, stay profitable, and keep all their employees, they would then be left having to raise the price of whatever it is that they produce. Which sounds fine, until you realize that having more money in your bank account thanks to the minimum wage raise means almost nothing if the prices of everything you buy goes up with it. If they choose not to raise their prices but still have to meet that minimum wage raise, they're looking at either slimming down to a workforce that they can afford or keep going as is until their profitability falls to the point where they'd have to close the business entirely. There are no conclusive studies that I can point to that show that there is absolutely one right side to this issue. Some industries respond well, and the wage raises do what they were meant to do. And then some industries are devastated, and the wage raise does more bad than good. If this all sounds a bit dramatic, remember that most American businesses are not Amazon. In fact, over 99% of all American businesses are categorized as a small business. Ultimately, there are so many moving economic variables that it becomes hard to model the hypothetical effects and confidently form a conclusion that is 100% quantitative. Looking across the globe, we are able to begin to form some conclusions on what it looks like to not have any federally mandated minimum wages. Which brings us back to our friends Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark. 
These countries rely on the specific industries and trade unions to work out what their informal minimum wage should be. What their trade unions look like are much different than the ones we see in the United States. In order to simplify the point, I'll just say that their conversations around wages are kept between the employees and the employers. It's important to remember that these economies and societies look much different than the United States. The size alone of the United States could easily complicate this model in a way that Denmark's 5.8 million citizens doesn't. Australia is a place people like to point to for an example of high minimum wage. Australia's minimum wage is equal to about $14.54 an hour. It's not universally applied across all workers, though, which kind of makes it sound less like a federal minimum wage. But moving on. Australia does not enforce that same minimum wage for everybody. Apprentices under 21 years of age, as well as people with certain disabilities, are subject to a different rate. Comparing to the other countries we've discussed, Australia falls a much lower in rank in regard to median income, as well as a rank on the happiest workforce scale. So, does raising the minimum wage actually raise the standard of living? When looking outside of our own country, there does seem to be a bit of a trend leaning towards one of the answers to that question. But take a look for yourself and see what you find. Your original answer to that question just may end up changing. This has been the Beginner's Guide to Minimum Wage, and I'm your host, Emmy Davis. This podcast is a subject entertainment production for Free Markets Destroy, a project of the Washington Policy Center. Free Markets Destroy celebrates the power of free markets to tackle humanity's most daunting challenges. The world isn't perfect, but it's getting better every day thanks to entrepreneurs who work tirelessly to deliver life-changing innovations. Washington Policy Center is a nonpartisan, nonprofit public policy research organization that publishes studies, sponsors events, and educates citizens on vital public policy issues. For more information on either, check out freemarketsdestroy.com or washingtonpolicy.org. As always, thanks for listening and do your own research.